Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our over gloves together for Tooth Life, Irene and Katrina, the wine genist. We're here. We're doing a part two. Welcome back, peeps. We're doing the part two to my part one of and they're Become, I, becoming Irene. I feel like, yeah. And I feel, I feel like this is part two, but like, I feel like we're going to get to the end of this one and be like, we need a part three. Um, Cause yeah. there's just, we, there's we, so if you didn't many... listen to part one, immediately stop this and yeah. immediately go to the show notes and immediately click yeah. on the link to listen to part one, which was aired on April the 27th. There was a lot and aired. I, like <laughs> Irene's all of the dirty laundry. Dirty laundry was totally my underwear. Every everything was aired. I mean, I wasn't expecting that to happen. I was not either. I was like, oh no. <laughs> but yeah. But I. This is what I love about it. It was raw and it was honest. You know, I think the the critical piece to all of this, and I really want to kind of continue down this rabbit hole, so to speak, is that. I think a lot of people see what you do, what I do with the travels and the glasses of wine with people at the hotel bar and the designer dresses and all this. And they think like, oh, wow, it's so, so glamorous. And I would imagine, sure, like when when you're in an operatory and you're covered in people's like plaque and profi paste and all of that, like 100 percent, it looks glamorous for sure. Um, but the reality is there is a lot, uh, there are a lot of challenges. There are a lot of steps that, um, that we need to take as young, younger speakers, um, as dental hygienists in the speaking world, as women in the speaking world, um, you know, as people who, you know, now have, you know, social media pages and the expectations of, you know, how we show up, what that even looks like. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of things that I think have even evolved in the speaking world just with this pandemic. Um, you know, the, the sponsorship dollars, the meeting planner expectations, the, um, you know, just, it's it's kind of like we're moving forward in the technology side because what I have I'll tell you what I've seen that's good and what I've seen that's not been good. So what I've seen that's good is that there is so much more thought that needs to go into putting together your deck when you're teaching someone virtually Oh yeah. versus when you're teaching someone in a live audience, like you can get away with your mannerisms, with your stories, with your Mm -hmm. doing a jig on stage and breaking into song and dance and like making people laugh. Mm -hmm. But when it's just you and your screen in front of people at home, that are like either washing the dishes or making dinner or like chasing their children around, like you need to really engage more. So on the, on the positives, I've noticed a shift in using more engagement tools, but on the negative is it's almost like we're working backwards on our, uh, oh shit. How do I say this? On on the, like, uh, (laughs) You know exactly what I'm going to say. Exa- I know exactly know what I'm trying to say. I'm going to see uh, how we're you're working. Say it. <laughs> we're working backwards in our um, realization that there's a lot that goes into this gig, yeah. and and the compensation levels aren't often met. Um, 
and so when people reach out and I've so I mean, you and I answered a question on one of my DMs together is like someone reached out and they're like, how do I get started in the speaking world? And I was mm-hmm. like thinking to myself, like, would I want to get started now? I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, <clears throat> if I love it enough, then maybe I'd figure it away. But like, how do you tell someone to get into it now? It's like, you know, people are doing gigs for free. Like they're, they're basically just like, it's, yeah. it's, it's because, because of online stuff. Like there are so many platforms where you can share your message that, and there's so many more new people that have popped up, which is fabulous for our industry. Sharing education is important, but we still need to understand the value behind it. Like that you're a human and that you put in your work and your time and your sweat equity into it. Yeah. Here's, here's the, the piece that I'll share on this. And that is during the pandemic, to your point, Irene, a lot of people, all of us were doing whatever we could. I mean, I, I was logging on and delivering free webinars just because it was like, there was a shutdown. Yeah. Nobody had funds, nobody had money. And it's like, so what yeah. am I going to do? Nobody knew down. what like, was happening. We yeah. had no idea. So what did we do? Like I, I lived on the CDC website and gathered as much you data were as the I could. CDC. <clears throat> I was the CDC, the, the, the ginger <laughs> CDC. You know, and and I'm I'm sitting here, I'm doing all these like back-to-back programs, again, for free. But I think what people don't understand is when I put a deck together, when when I put a deck together, you're on PubMed, you are researching it. It is hours upon hours upon hours. And down at the bottom of every one of my slides, I have the research article where I pulled that information from. Sure. Again, that is a lot of work. Like imagine, yeah. you know, people listening, imagine like going back to hygiene school when you had to write those like really high level scientific papers, but imagine mm-hmm. that it's like that for a three hour presentation. And then you don't have someone on Fiverr to do it for you. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah you can't just like hire somebody to do it. Like you've got, you have to put this hey, together. Or, it is your death. I'll pay you $50. Can you help me please? Yeah. So you're so taking I guess, time. Uh, so you're putting the deck together. Like, yeah, but, but here's the thing, though. You're putting the deck together. You're presenting it for free, and then the world opens back up. And now yeah. the world has gotten so accustomed to, well, you did it for free, and it's like well, that was a courtesy of me, like trying to help the dental community. Like I, right. when I go out of town, like I, I have to fly myself there. I've got to put myself up in a hotel. Right. I've got it. Somebody's got to watch my dog. Like. This is my this is my profession, and yes, you're right. right. I did it for free, but to serve and support, and so that has become a, a challenge in and of itself. Right. Is is that and this, other... how did this like part two of interviewing me turn into a rant about our careers? <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> well, because the idea being when we when we talk about like how the the road to becoming a speaker. That's, that's yeah. part of it, right? It's there's there there absolutely are amazing parts about it. Like Irene, you and I met because of our speaking careers of being KOLs, um, of, you know, of being, um, being involved in the world that we were in. So I was, I was front row center of you salivating open mouthed over watching Anna Pattison use a, an airflow system. And you were just sitting across the table. I was like, like heading. You were just like, Oh, I was yes. obsessed. I Just was also like that. I yeah. was also super hungover um, yeah. that day. <laughs> I was the and day then, Katrina I met, and I was just like looking at you, making eyes yeah. with Anna Pattison, who was not making eyes with you because she's just she didn't care. She's like that bright no shit line getting. between brilliant and psychopath. She was just like eyes <laughs> focused on what she was doing, and you were just like, you know that TikTok right now where it's like 
Did you just call me baby? That one with the hard <laughs> eyes. That was you. You were hard eyes. Oh my God. Well, did you then, call me baby? That was you. She wanted to watch me instrumentate. And so I remember like, I, I'm literally <laughs> holding a piezo and I'm like, um, Anna Patterson is watching me do this. Like that's literally like, like the when most you're back in dental hygiene school and your teacher's yes. there and you're, yeah, you're all shaky. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, totally. I, but again, I was hungover. So I was like having like probably withdrawals too. And like, uh, you know, but it was, yeah. it was, uh, it was quite it was a production, fun. but you know, I think that's, that's so the piece. Let's take is, it back. This is the part. So we, I, fun, fun fact. I didn't listen to that episode until today. I didn't either. I just finished listening to it. Yeah. So I didn't listen to it until today because I didn't want to hear it. Like I didn't want to hear, I didn't want to like flash back to that part of time of my life of like remembering I'm, I'm awkwardly playing with a Rubik's yeah, I was just cube. Say, I can't yeah, find, I can't find my chapstick cube. anywhere. Like where is my chapstick? Normally she does a few circles with the chapstick. Yeah. I have, I don't have it. Um, so I didn't listen to it until earlier today because I mean, that was a weird time. Like, it was a weird time for me trying to regroup my career with no answers, yeah. which, by the way, since that episode went out, have not heard from anyone from uh, the company that we shall not mention. I, I thought someone would reach out and be like, hey, let me tell you what happened. But no, that never happened. Um, so, yeah, mm. that that was a very strange thing. And then And then I had to learn all of this, like, speaking world stuff on my own. So um, let, hold on. D- will you define what speaking world stuff means for our viewers yeah. at home? So I remembered, you know, there were a few people, key people that I met while I worked and was on the speaking circuit with CPS Align. And, um, you know, you, I got to meet some industry peeps in the sense of like some people that worked at 3M, some people that worked at Shofu, some of the ITRO people, because, you know, they're all connected in, mm-hmm. in teaching people how to place attachments and take photos and do IPR and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you make friends, you do the same gig in the same city five times, you get to know who the sales reps are. And fun fact, if you ever want to get into speaking, figure out who your sales reps are, because those yes. are the best people to help. Absolutely. You. Like, yep. Don't shoo them out the door like yep. they're mosquitoes. And when they come into your office, like welcome them in and say hello. Yes. And hang out with them. Like get to know them as humans because they're, they're really nice people. That's a so huge, got, huge uh, beautiful piece of advice, by the way, Irene. Yeah, like, I, absolutely. yes, if you want to get into the speaking world, and especially the people who are speakers and are like, how do yeah. I get sponsorship support? You need support. You have you to need talk support. to the rep that is walking in and out of your office. If you're ignoring them, then, you know, they're, they're they don't see you as a partner yeah. in loving their product and wanting to speak yeah. about their product. Yeah. That's a sure. really great piece of advice. Okay. So I got to Far. meet, I got to meet some, some interesting people. Like, um, there was a guy named Bill Clinton, which I thought was hilarious. And every time I spoke at his, uh, at his location, I, I did, did not say I did not. Uh, I, I did, I did not that during I did. standing relations <laughs> with that Otero machine. He actually worked for 3M and has since retired. Oh. I mean, he was a really cool dude. And I, 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 I met him. Um, and, and, so when when that all happened, I need to figure out a how do I get invited to speaking gigs because all of the gigs that I had done before didn't even know who I was. I was just like the person on the roster under the title that was provided by a different company. So I reached out to these these people and I was like, hey, I don't I don't know if you know, and I'm I'm not sure, but like I'm no longer affiliated. I want to do my own thing. Like, can you help me figure out how do I get into these places? Mm-hmm. And most of them were like, yeah, I'll get back to you. But there were a, a key few who who helped me. 
one who his name is Chuck Hudson. He is the most amazing guy at 3M. He's like the international manager of speakers. He he sent me to some of the most amazing events and he sent me to one of my first international events in Asia when I spoke in Singapore. I mean, he was a really he was an ally. Like he understood it, he got it, he saw potential and like he leaned in quite a bit. I forever owe him. And then a friend of mine who's a speaker here, fun fact, she was the president of the Canadian Dental Hygienist Association. She was also the president of our governing body. So she was back to back president of both of both of these organizations. Um, and she's a speaker. And I remember when I, I used to want to be her. Like I remember getting the magazine, the milestones magazine that was shipped to my house. And I remember flipping through the the pages and seeing like, you know, who's on the board and who's the president. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I want to be Jennifer Turner when I grow up. And I was like, you know, Aww. fresh, a fresh hygienist. Um, now I would never be the president if you paid me, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it's difficult. It's a hard job. Yeah. That's why I say that. Not because of for any reason, but it's a, it's a tough gig. Yes. Um. So so she and I became friends. I mean, the the human I looked up to that didn't even know that I looked up to her. Uh, she and I became friends, and we met one day with Chuck, and she said, "You know, I think you you really want to do this for the right reasons," and she shared gold with me. She gave me a spreadsheet with every single study club. Wow. In in Canada mm-hmm. and the email the, address mm-hmm. and the phone number of the person that runs the study club. She gave that to me. Wow. And for any of you in the speaker world, you know how difficult it is uh-huh. to get names. <laughs> names of like the person in the seat. Like, they're like that handles. Hidden. Like they're literally they're hidden. hidden. You can't just like Google like who at the Seattle study club do I book my, like, yeah. no, they're, they're hidden behind like major curtains. So yeah. that's, that she gave me the spreadsheet and I didn't know its value until now. And every time I see her, I'm like, I owe you so much. Like, I don't even know yeah. where to begin because, and some of the study clubs are small study clubs. They've got, I don't know, 40, 50 people, 50 members, but it's the, it's doing more of the, those study clubs that gets you recognized, gets your name yes. out there and you grow. I mean, you do little things until you do little yep. and medium things. And I still do the small study clubs. Like Me those too. are my peeps. Yeah. Like it's where I started. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, they're my people in my community and sure they might not have big budgets, but you know, one day those people might grow up to do different things and you want, you want to be on their good sides. So well, and how many so, times do you yeah. speak at a small study club like that? And a person there sees you and they love what you're doing. And they, to your point, a few years later are now the meeting planner for another big stuff. I mean, I can't tell you how many times it's happened. Yeah, well, sure that's happened what happened for me. Ah, so I spoke okay. at a small study club in London, Ontario in the basement of a Masonic temple. <laughs> it's so dumb. I walked it. I'm not even joking. I'm not even kidding. So the study club, and if the, if anyone from London is listening or anyone from 3M is listening, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's a study club that's an hour and a half from here in the basement of a Masonic temple. And you walk in and it's like, I might just burst into flames. Maybe not. Maybe. Who knows? And they wear like cool hats and there's like, you know, there's like, I don't know. I don't know anything about Masonic belief systems, but it was an interesting experience to go into this basement that had like, they had very interesting hats, like red velvet hats and like sashes and stuff. Yeah. Google, Google that. And there was this, there was a sales rep in, in the study club 
um, from a, an oral care company that saw me and was like, hey, you know, are you looking for new opportunities to speak for different companies? And at that point, I only had one one sponsor. I had 3M. Mm-hmm. That was it. They were my only my only peeps. And I had three lectures that I put together and that was it. Um, so that's where it went from, you know, the basement of a Masonic temple mm-hmm. to getting my second sponsor um, that, you know, led me to doing more speaking gigs. Um, but one thing that I should say is that I was pretty organized from the beginning. I, I, I use the phrase like say yes and figure it out later that's because right. that's basically yeah. what I did. But I always had a structure of some kind, whether it was in my mind chaos, but I always, I find this interesting because you and I like used the same coach recently and she's all about systems. So like my systems now are super detailed, but my systems back then, as simple as they were, they were still a system. They worked. There was always like a recap email that I would send at the end of the meeting to recap what the event was like, what I felt the responses were like. Think I would send a personal thank you to all of the to the sponsors or the people that were there from the sponsoring company. I would send a thank you to the meeting organizer, and then they would book me back. Like they would book me back for maybe not next year because sometimes these Mm -hmm. meetings only hold you know, once a quarter and they don't want the same speakers over and over again, but they'd be like, Hey, would you be interested in speaking two years from now? And they'd already book me in. And I thought that that was really fabulous. You know, the small little things of how that happened. And that's when my Instagram started to grow. I went from, I mean, when Chris and I got together, we both had the same amount of followers. We make a joke. It was like, we both had like 300 and something followers when we got together. Yeah. And then he's, he's like, I've watched it grow. Like he's, he sees it more than I do because I'm, you know, in it. And, and for every, you know, 100 followers, I lose 25 or whatever my ratio is. But, um, Instagram is just a different world Mm -hmm. all in of itself. Yeah. That's the topic. But, um, yeah, I want to I want to go back to what what you were saying though, because I, I what yeah. you were saying about the organizational piece, because yeah, here's a layer to the speaking world that I think is not oftentimes highlighted, and that is speakers, um, the ones that you see, you know, the Irenes of the world, the ones that you see on these these bigger stages, um, they don't just put together a deck and then hooray, go ahead and hire me. They have started at the smaller meetings. They still do continue to present at the smaller meetings. They are present. They show up, you know, they, they hook up all their equipment. They're organized. They start on time. They stop on time. They send the thank you letter. Oh yeah. They send uh, and, and that thank you email is usually, this was so terrific. If you have an interest in working with me again, I'd love to sit down and talk with you about it. Um, you know, we're taking time up front to even have like discovery calls with the, the yeah. meeting planner, not just an email back and forth. Like no, this is how much know it costs. Who's sitting in the audience. Totally. Like, yes. I'm doing something for an it. oral surgery. Uh, I mean, I did something for an oral surgery group in October. Mm -hmm. and there was another oral surgeon in the in the attendance that now wants me to do what I did for that oral Mm -hmm. surgeon for Jason for his referring doctors uh and I got on a call for 30 minutes I'm like what's the plan here like what do you want you want more referrals you want more implants you want more comprehensive cases like how can I serve you you." right there you go yep that's and that's the thing that I think a lot of people 
early on in the speaking world. And I get it. It's, you know, you're just trying to get your name out there. So it's hard to say like, uh, okay, Oral B or, you know, okay. Or a farmer, whatever, like how can I help you? But the reality is if you are a key opinion leader, uh, speaker for these groups, your job is to help them. And the reason why these study clubs hire a speaker is because they want they, they need somebody to help them move their objective along, whether that is we want to educate. You know, I, I speak for a lot of perio study clubs. And so I get a lot of, you know, we want the hygienist identifying perio and referring it sooner. And so, you know, great. So what now that I hear that, I'm thinking this would be a great course for you. Let's talk about what this would look like. Yeah. Do you want to serve wine? Should we, you know what I mean? So yeah. the, the reality is what you did early on and, and there's, there's no school about this, by the way, like there's nobody that's like how to be a speaker. What do what, you know what I mean? Like there, there's some courses you can take, but there's nothing that walks you through how but it's, to and it's different for group. everyone too. Totally. Right. Like, yep. and it depends on your topics. I feel yep. like there will be certain speakers that are newer speakers that have a different topic type or yep. niche that perhaps will do better off the start because they're speaking on something that is a little more scarce. But like my first lecture was caries management and white spot lesion prevention. Like every person on this planet has at least one caries lecture up their back pocket. I so mean, like I up their butt. Up their butt. Because <laughs> I do. I have one yeah. up my butt too. No, yeah. But I feel like yeah. I came in with like probably the worst first topic it was good because it was something that I was passionate about and something that like I could share my own personal stories about, but perhaps I could have picked a bit better topic to talk about that would have gotten me more stage time. But I, I went with my instincts. Like I went with my gut and my, I was authentic and, and we all know those people that are like, we sit in an audience and like, you can feel when there's fire in a speaker's topic, mm-hmm. when they're passionate about something or when they're like, Just and on this slide, it. This slide, I'm going to tell you about the time that I used a toothbrush to pollinate the tomato plants on my balcony. Oh, no, like, I agree. <laughs> so but that, that, that tell, begs right? a question that I have for you about this, because I wonder, Irene, if because you did I pick, wonder, I wonder out loud, because you did pick a very, a relatively common topic, but I mean, you, you are very dynamic on stage that, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to say something really provocative. My first lecture, I stood in front of a podium and I clicked through my slides. Yeah. But, but, you know, even to you, your perception of like, you know, being nervous and clicking through slides, like, you know how to tell, unpack a a difficult subject in a relatively easy, a, a digestible way. So it, Sometimes it is the topic. You're absolutely right. Like when I started yeah. speaking, my very first topic was well, local anesthesia and then AAP staging and grading. And I started no. speaking right when staging and grading came out. So it was like, there were only a handful of, of us that knew it. And so 2016? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 2016, 2017. It was yeah, 2017. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, early on in my speaking career, like I, I got in on a hot button issue, which I was, I was very grateful for. However, for you speaking on this topic, what what I think you you've done is built this branding around not just your topic because you have so many topics that are clinical, yeah. but also non-clinical, social media, thought leadership, yeah. influencing. I mean, you're you're now all over the place. So yeah. your brand isn't necessarily about a topic, but it's got to be about something Me. more. So tell us a yeah. little bit about what what is that? Yeah. 
and you're right. I mean, the, the the say yes and figure it out later is the reason why I have so many topics because someone would say, okay, like, you know, let's do the, let's do the Carrie's lecture, but like they would want you to do two. Like if someone's going to fly yeah. you to a yep. country, to a city, to a study club, you know, sometimes they'll want you to do two lectures because it's cheaper to fly one person in to speak twice than to fly two people in. So they'd be That's like, right. okay, well, this is a good topic. Like, what else do you have? And then, you know, yeah. as a new speaker, and I'm like, well, what else do you want? And they'd be like, do you have anything on X, Y, and Z or X, Y, and Z no, or oral communication systemic? within your practice? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Turns out I do. Well, <laughs> and then I remember, like and they're like, okay, send me, send me your speaker packet with uh-huh. your topics. And then yep. there's me on Google. What is the speaker packet? <laughs> and this is before Canva guys. Like this is before yes. there were online courses. This was mm-hmm. before anyone was even talking about this stuff. And I'm sitting yep. there in my word document, trying to figure out how to make Using a the square. Microsoft word. <laughs> Using a Microsoft word template. And trying to figure out how to create squares around my whatever to oh put together. Lord. If I were to send you my current speaker packet with my first one, which I still have, it's oh. like hilarious. It's like, oh, bless your soul. So I remember putting this together and thinking, okay, well, what are things that I like and what are things that I could talk about and what are things that, you know, I would I feel passionately about? And I just started writing things down. So you make fun of me all the time because I've got notebooks that I write in, but I have so I have mm-hmm. two notebooks that I carry with me all the time. And one of the notebooks is my ideas notebook. That one's like, you know, usually one that I get for free from like a conference or whatever. And then I've got my like expensive notebook that I bought from Mont Blanc and it's orange and it's got my my initials like gold mm-hmm. foiled into it. Um, and that's the notebook that I actually pull the trigger on stuff. So fun fact, if you ever see me in real life and I write in the black notebook, then it means you're never, your idea is never going to happen. But if I write it in the orange notebook, then I'm doing it. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, shit, I shouldn't have told you that. Cause now, now I know because I feel like I've, I've never seen the orange notebook. So obviously I've never doesn't given come you out, amazing it doesn't ideas. come out often. <laughs> Let me tell Damn you. It. Well, if you think about it, of the 10,000 ideas that we have, yeah. if we were to implement all of them and it doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It just means it's not a good idea for right now. Yeah. So I'll go in the black notebook and I'll flip back to it eventually. But anyways, so I remember putting these these pieces, these ideas, these concepts together in my mind. And then I'm like throwing them on a, on a Word document and calling it my speaker packet and, and coming up with learning objectives of like what I would talk about, what a synopsis would look like, you know, what the abstract is like. And I would send it off and someone would say, okay, I want, you know, this, this and this. And then it's mm-hmm. like, great, I need to figure out how to create those three slide decks. <laughs> and, you're for the next and you're writing week. the decks, yeah. <laughs> right, and then you're writing the decks and you're like, shoot, I've got two weeks to put together a four-hour lecture on oral systemic health and the connection between malocclusion and cardiovascular disease. Great, let's figure this out. So then that, you know, then you pitch those topics more than the others because you know you already That's have right. them created. So yeah. you're like, Actually, you know, after discussing this with you, I really think that this would be a way more valuable uh-huh. piece of content because it's like they want you to speak next week. <laughs> you're yeah, like, yeah. You're like, what decks do like, I have ready for you for next week? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, because we update them. I update mine yeah. every time. There's like you know a new piece of research, and uh, or I've changed my mind on something, or I've found a new product that I like. So even the the Carrie's lecture, funny. Like I still deliver that lecture. It just got picked up by SmileCon. And oh, I've evolved awesome. it like 25 times. Like that thing has yeah. gone through the ringer. Um, 
I don't even present it on PowerPoint anymore. Like the whole thing is basically a video mm. and it's kind of cool how things evolve, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the way that you, you, you figure out, you know, put it on paper and, and that happened. And then, and then I, I realized that there's like, there's a big gap between, um, the earnings of a, a non-dentist speaker and a dentist speaker and just by like sheer communication with a lot of my friends who were dentists and in the speaker world and you know in passing we're like you know what are you charging for this thing and what are you charging for this thing and we're going to the same thing and they're like well I'm charging six thousand and well they only gave me three thousand but we're doing the same thing at the same time but I have Mm -hmm. more people in my room than you do and it's like I don't understand like the value of that and I think at one point like I, I always knew I wanted to own my own practice um but it was at that point where I was like, this is, and it was Emily Bogey that actually said something too. Cause I was, I was chatting with Emily and at that point she was thinking about doing her PhD mm. and I was like, I'm not going to go and do a master master's and I'm not going to do a PhD. Like that's not in my whatever. But I think, you know, she's like, and I think that I want to open a practice. She's like, well, that'll get you more money. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, they, they rank people based on either credentials or like what your billables could be, you know, you, the more you do, the higher you rank. Um, like, what is this, the military? Like, I get a badge yeah. for being a lieutenant and therefore I get like $100 on my speaker fees? Like, how does that work? And she's like, kind I don't of, know, every company's yeah. different, but like, but she's like, maybe that, maybe that'll help. And I was like, okay, well, that kind of just solidified that I wanted to, to open my own office. And I did it for that. I did it for having a space that I could do whatever the heck I wanted, which it sounds silly, but it's like not doing whatever the heck, but doing the right thing. Yeah. So I think we all have worked in a practice where we're like, A, we dread going there in the morning perhaps. And then B, like halfway through the day, like you would treat a patient completely differently if you had the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, I was tired of asking for permission asking for permission to go to CE, asking for permission to order new instruments, asking for permission for more time, asking for permission to decline seeing a patient because they weren't going to do what I, what I thought was the best thing. And I was just like, I'm done. Like at one point I wanted an air polishing system. And my boss was like, if I buy you one, I have to buy one for everyone. And I'm like, I'm so over this. Like I can't, I can't, I can't sleep at night. Cause I'm thinking, I mean, I'm thinking of all of the people that I could have and would have and should have treated differently but I didn't because I wasn't the decision maker, mm-hmm. which sucked. You know what? I think your speaking career gave you a small little glimpse into what it's like to be your own boss. Because when you're a speaker, you know, all that communication, that's on you. You showing yeah. up, you, you know, presenting whatever deck you want, you making whatever changes to whatever slides you want. That's, you know, that kind of gave you that little flavor for that. So the more that you sink into that entrepreneurial spirit, the more uh, you start to think about the possibilities of doing other things. So you decided to start your, launch your practice. What was that conversation like with your husband? (laughs) Babe, I'm going to open my own accountant. He he always knew he he is an accountant by training. And I mean, he's, he's a CPA and designation and tax. He's a smart guy. He, he, um, 
he, he, he works for a bank, um, in, in like asset management, wealth management. Yeah. So he sees a lot of businesses, he sees a lot of business plans. He sees a lot of wealthy people and a lot of people that are not wealthy. Um, <clears throat> so he's very calculated and very analytical. I mean, I don't have to tell you this. He married me and I married him and we're both into spreadsheets. So yeah. <laughs> da, da, yeah. Da, da. <laughs> um, but, but I, I had this conversation like really early on in our career and I, this was pre, pre having things online. I had a, I had a binder and I had a binder with those cute little tabs that separate things. And I had sections and this was like the beginning of my business plan. I had sections of clippings for magazines of things that I wanted, uh, chairs and whatever, completely different stuff than I ended up getting now. But I had like the beginning workings of what my a business plan would look like startup costs and so forth. And I remember at one point I was just, I was miserable. Like I was crying in the car, driving home from work, like unmotivated to do anything, just like complaining all the time about how much I hated the way that the office was run. And like, Chris is a pretty quiet guy, but he would ask these like thought provoking questions. He'd be like, what would you change if you could do things differently? And I would like blah, 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 crying like this is an office manager. She's not even an office manager. She's just never there. And like, like all of these things and, like, and this person did this. And like this other person leaves her dirty instruments in the sink all the time. And I run behind him and then I get in trouble because she doesn't do it. Blah, blah. So like all of these things, you know, that I'm just offloading and he has no idea what a statum is. Like he has right, no idea. Right. I'm like, and the statum, like they're using their dirty gloves to pull out the tray of the statum. Oh, and I'm Lord. just like, and he's just like, okay. He's like, okay. what would you do differently? And I'm like, I would have a system in place. And I'm like, and I'm just like basically talking through my entire office design as I'm bawling like five days a week. Um, and then eventually I was like, I want to open my own office. How much money do I have to save? And at this point I had started Tooth Life, um, the retail company, and I would measure everything in, in items sold. So I would measure everything at that point in earrings and bracelets and necklaces. And like, how many bracelets do I have to sell to get this? Wow. How many necklaces do I have to sell to, cause I knew a necklace was whatever, 16, $17 minus my cost and shipping, whatever. Um, so he'd be he'd like, how he's like to sell like, I don't know, 45,000 necklaces to be able to do this. I'm like, I can do that. So it would, it would be this uh, constant conversion in my mind of how many units I had to sell. So I would create a sale. I would do an email marketing campaign. I would do all of these things. And I eventually I said, how much money do I have to save to be able to put down a down payment on a dental practice startup? And he's like, $100,000. I was like, I can do that. I'm like, how many necklaces and bracelets? And, and at that point, I'm like, I need more products. Like, I can't just... I can't just do one product. I need, I need stickers. I need scrub caps. I need all of these things, pins. Let's like uh, expand. So I use my tooth life business to build equity, wow. uh, to be able to save money to open my office. And I still worked full time and taught full time and spoke full time. But in the background, you know, I'd come home from work and I'd, you know, chip away at this business plan and figure out what my, you know, fluctuating costs were and, um, do my research on demographic. And I mean, the location of my office was handpicked and months and months of research of like, which area do I want this office to be in where there is a, a low per capita of dentists. And it took, it took a year and a half of planning. And then it took a lot of difficult discussions with banks to lend me the rest of this almost a million dollar thing. Um, and that was the toughest part was like having so much in place and then going to a bank and having this person at the bank 
the same bank that my husband worked at say, I don't see this, this business plan or this business model. And I'm like, what do you mean business model? Like it's a dental office. Like there are thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dental offices. Why don't you see this business model? And they're like, well, because you're not a dentist. And when you apply for a loan for a medical facility, you apply to the same department in the bank as a dentist, as an oral surgeon, as an orthodontist, as a chiropractor. Um, but they take those metrics and they plop them on you because they assume that the person that's opening the office is also the main provider. I mean, I am the main provider in hygiene, but I don't build the same amount as a dentist. Right. So they didn't understand this, like, well, if you bring in a dentist or if you do a space rental or if, I mean, I, I charge for media, I charge space rental for media whenever I shoot anything in the office. Like, they're like, we don't understand all of these things. I'm like, multiple sources of revenue are going to be generated in the space. So it's not just a dental office. And they're like, that, does, that business model doesn't exist. <laughs> And I'm like, you're right. Uh, it doesn't exist. I I'm think like, you're welcome. That is the title of our episode. That <laughs> business model doesn't exist. Because like, that is you going back to saying yes and figuring right. it out later. Well, I had a plan. I mean, this was pre-COVID, but I had a plan. And and I remember leaving that office feeling like garbage. Like this bank lady was just like, she was just not a nice human and mm. kept rolling her eyes and like, my underwriters aren't going to like this. What do you mean you're doing social media? At that point I had like, I don't know, 10,000, 15,000 followers. What do you mean you're going to like do social media stuff in a dental office? What does that mean? And I'm like, do you have Instagram? And she's like, no. And I'm like, you'll never then you know. Don't know. Like, yeah. You need Instagram. You need to follow me on Instagram to better understand. And she's, she's just like, this business model doesn't exist. My underwriters aren't going to like it. I'm like, it's your job to explain it to your underwriters for them to like it. And um, so I left that meeting and I was like, now what? Like all of this time is just like spent on nothing. So I went to another bank and luckily the guy that I got like in this department was just, he was with it. Like within a few minutes, he had followed me on Instagram, on LinkedIn. He just like understood it and he went to bat for me. Mm. Um and then we ended up getting getting the loan and started building the practice, which I think we should just do a different episode on office building because that's like, yeah, you know, permitting and all of that stuff and X-ray and X-ray radiation, <laughs> radiation. And, I, I remember and your radiation officer uh -huh. and like trying to get a nomad in oh, the province for the first you time. The like, nomad in. Oh, yeah, man. no one still to this day, no one other than me has a nomad. I in, know, I, in the and I say that all the area. time. I'm like, did you know that my dental bestie is the only dental hygienist in the? Yeah, there's one other person. Canada. It was so funny. There's one other person that has a nomad. He's a mobile dentist and goes into like oh well whatever, like. But but it was so funny because the like there's like a local magazine in here. They wrote a whole article on him, and it was like two years. And there's like a blog feature where you can like type in something, and someone wrote like he's actually not the first one at Tooth Life Irene West. Oh, <laughs> Irene, so look at you! I didn't say anything, but like whatever. Oh. Um, we should just do a whole thing. But anyway, so like that's that's the. That's how it got to where we are today. I mean, on the social media side, I mean, I'll touch on it very briefly, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to grow on Instagram now than it was when it first came out. Um, I mean, I didn't have it right from the beginning, but I had Instagram pretty early on. And when I was in my aligned days, I guess, 
that's when I started posting more stuff. I, stories didn't exist at that point. Mm-hmm. It was still very much a, um, a, a, a still single still image with a caption platform. But, you know, everyone would follow each other. So my follower count was really high back then. And you would be more inclined to like and comment. There was a lot less judgment than there is now. There was a lot less negativity. There was a lot less competitiveness. We were all just there to support. I mean, I, at least I felt that we were all just there to support one another. I'm sure that there were people in it for the wrong reasons. But it was very different in 2016, 2015, 2017 even than it is now. And the more features that were added, the more people that were monetizing it. And um, now it's become this like, I don't even know what people look like anymore. So it was like, yeah. I went to a, I went to a conference last week and someone met me for the first time and, and they were like, uh, Dr. Gary Glassman, funny story about Gary, but Dr. Gary Glassman, he's a local endodontist. He's like, I follow you on Instagram. And I'm like, thanks. And he's like, I have to say, you look the same in person as you do on Instagram. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you. Cause that is a huge compliment. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, that, that, um, space is very different for every person. And for me, I think it's a place for me to just show a little bit about what the behind the scenes look like. I feel like I should show more, but I'm nervous about what the, what would come from it because, you know, we talk about it on the podcast and sure, like, I'm sure these episodes get shared and, oh my God, did you see what she said? But if it's on Instagram, it's a little bit different mm-hmm. because you never know how someone's going to perceive it, right? So like, what if a sponsor hears something or, I mean, we're very grateful for all yeah. of the sponsors. Sure, we wish things were a little different, but we're grateful for having them. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with social media now more now than ever it's tricky it's it certainly is a a free way Um, a lot of people see that early on as a free way to advertise or to put yourself out there but it it certainly comes with its other tough nuts to crack so that leads us to the end of the episode and yes i would like to uh issue you a tooth i'm i'm accepting a tooth because i'm not going to do a dare (laughs) so let's take the tooth I would like you to tell the tooth about the biggest mistake you've made on social media. Oh, biggest mistake that I've made. Um, hmm. Oh God, I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the hard part is that I've made so many mistakes. I mean, starting out, I feel like we all make this mistake. Um, we either agreed something that perhaps we didn't think through. We do something for free. Um, and then, you know, a company will just take advantage of that. I mean, mm-hmm. the, re- the reality is what I do on Instagram has much more of an impact than what I do on a stage. And there are way more people that see my stuff and remember my stuff on Instagram than Mm -hmm. they do on a stage. People will come up to me and say, Oh my gosh, how are your hives? And how is Lou? And 
did you ever figure yeah. out if that toothbrush, whatever, blah, 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 like they, they mm-hmm. remember all these things. But if I ask them, like, can you tell me what product I talked about for testing pH in someone's mouth during my caries lecture? They will not retain that information. So my biggest mistake from the beginning is that I didn't charge more for my content on Instagram that I started off way too low because I was not confident with my own skills. And now to try and catch up with those fees is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. So if any company is listening to this marketing dollars, as much as we want them on the stage, they should also go into digital marketing and media because you'll get a bigger bang for your buck um, long-term and it lives there perpetually lives on my page forever. Like, so that, that is, that is what I wish I would have had more guts to stand up for my fees and say no more. There you go. You heard it here first folks from the amazing (laughs) Irene. Thank you so much. Irene. Irene. Love you. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Next time. Now it's your turn. We need to do a train. You got to spice it up. If there are no stories about sales reps trying to grope you in elevators, I don't want it. Okay. I'll I'll bring, I'll bring (laughs) all the stories. All right. Thank you again, peeps, for listening in. Um, You know where to find me if you have any questions. Do it to it. Peace out, peeps. Cheers. We need some blue. We do. My whole life is a blooper, man. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Your life is a blooper. My life is a blooper. Blue. Is that a is that a little McMuffin? What what a little chicken McMuffin that baby is. I love his little poofy tail. Oh look at you! What are you drinking? Is that a mojito? No, it's a fojito. It's, it's an Italian. Called, of course, it's an Italian it's, gin. It's You're so Gin rosa Italia, pink Italia. grapefruit flavor gin. Ah, <laughs> uh, ma che cazzo fai?